it completely changed my whole business model, the way people engage. I stopped going to networking events because I got so many more connections simply by speaking my truth and sharing regularly on that platform. And, and so it, it almost always this organic, like-minded community of folks that came my way simply by being myself, which is to me like the best possible way to, to be instead of kind of trying to force people or in, convince people that what you have to say is valuable it's you can just say what you have to say and the people who think it's valuable will start to find you and start to connect with you hello and welcome to the 50 cups of coffee podcast episode 25 i am your host bobby audley this is a show where i have coffee and conversation with some of the best leaders in the world and we talk about culture and connection If you haven't watched my TEDx talk yet called the 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge, head on over to YouTube, Google 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge, check that out. If you haven't left us a rating or a review or subscribe to the show wherever you listen, please go do that. That is the best way you can help us grow. I have no updates for you today. It's a super short intro. I am literally just going to get right into the guest and, and it's fitting because we have an awesome guest today. My guest today is an online workshop and retreat facilitator, a culture consultant, a values and mindfulness expert, alignment coach, speaker, and founder of Spark Vision. Spark Vision is a company that helps organizations identify their gap between their current and ideal culture. On their website, I believe they put it best, They say, at Spark Vision, we create environments where people thrive at work, home, and within. The founder of Spark Vision is Mary Beth Highland. I will talk on the show about how Mary Beth and I met, but more importantly for you to know, and and we get into this on this episode as well, I have attended a Spark Vision event before. They are a Baltimore-based organization, and within the last year before COVID lockdowns and all this stuff going on happened, I was in my own personal, you know, little time of rut and and not fully clear on what my next move was, which, which happens every now and again, and I was scrolling LinkedIn and came across a post by Mary Beth promoting her next Life Lens workshop, again, which we talk about, and I knew Mary Beth. We'd been connected in this work that we do and both being from the Baltimore area, but I'd never been to one of her events. I'd never attended anything. And so I signed up immediately, was excited to see what she's all about, how she operates, how she does her work and benefit from that and and learn from this Life Lens workshop. Having gone through it, it was awesome. I 100% recommend it. I loved it. I love Mary Beth. And that is why she is my guest on the show today. You are going to love her as well after this episode. Mary Beth Highland has been featured in Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, just to name a few. Her company has served the cultures of major organizations such as UBS, Weight Watchers, Lockheed Martin, as well as the Girl Scouts and Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Again, just to name a few. One of my favorite Mary Beth quotes is you often feel drained, not because you've done too much, but because you've done too little of what reflects your values. I'll say that again. You often feel drained, not because you've done too much, but because you've done too little of what reflects your values. 
Hopefully that's enough of a teaser to excite you for this episode. I think Mary Breath is, is, is a brilliant thinker in the worlds of culture and mindfulness and values and having alignment with those values. Obviously, if you're a fan of this show, you know that I do work with culture and I believe Mary Beth does it in, in a little bit of a different way. And, and maybe there's folks out there that are going to resonate more with her than me. There's folks out there that'll resonate more with me than her. And there's folks that are going to learn from both of us. It's not a, a competition. Clearly, she's on the show. And I just love the way she approaches culture and this work that we both get to do. Mary Beth is one of the best in the business of culture development, and you are about to see why. Please enjoy my cup of coffee with Mary Beth Highland. So I'm Mary Beth Highland. I'm so honored that you want to have me in this uh, on this wonderful podcast of yours. And I have been with Spark Vision, my company, for almost five years now, which is really interesting because I'm just starting working here longer than I've worked anywhere else, which feels like a really interesting kind of time in my life. And so my company is really all about helping individuals and organizations understand what their values are and then learn how to make their behaviors in alignment with those values. So for an individual, that's having a sense of alignment, having a sense of purpose, intention. And for a company, that's really all about your culture. So what are those day-to-day -day norms? What are the behaviors of the team members that create an environment where people actually want to be or unfortunately where people don't want to be? So I go in and I help them really understand what are those words that get to the core of what they stand for, which are the values, and then where are their behaviors in or out of alignment with those values? And so it's been an incredible journey over the last five years and becoming such a wonderful thing to see how many companies actually are invested in this work and care about it. And it started off as a very much uh, like trying to convince people that they needed this. And now it's shifted into having a wait list of, of folks who are interested in, in collaborating and doing more of going deep into this emotional side of the workplace. Yeah. And so you work with individuals and organizations. I'll start, I want to get to both but I'll start with the individual side of thing. Um, and part of that is because I attended one of your workshops that you did in Baltimore, focused on um, really kind of that idea of identifying your core values as an individual. So can you talk a little bit about what, how do you guide an individual in, in understanding and identifying their core values? Yeah, I'm so glad that you experienced Life Lens because that makes such more of a dynamic conversation today and oh, just in life. <laughs> oh my gosh, and you even have your notes in front of you. I love it. I love it. So it's, it's a really intentional journey as I'd love for you to chime in at any point about your experience well, too yeah. um, since, you, since you participated. But the way that I typically go about this is I start off with something called the Schwartz value scale and it's essentially just a long list of words and I have people take a little inventory on themselves or do a values inventory for themselves and so if you were to see a word say freedom which represents a value each person would then reflect on is that something that drives me is that something that I wish drove me 
does that describe me or does that not resonate with me? And essentially folks go through about 40 or so of those words and they come out with a values profile. So they start to see like, whoa, all of these types of things really motivate me. These are things that get me up in the morning, make me feel an incredible sense of activation and alignment and purpose when I get to be living in those spaces and having those experiences. And then it's just as interesting to see what are the things that don't resonate with you or what are the things that you wish resonated with you. Uh, because as individuals, we are all a walking, talking, living, breathing set of values, which is so few of us take the time to name them. So that's the first step. The first step is naming them. And then if, if folks wanted to, to go deeper beyond just, yes, these are the words that make sense to me and here's my poster, kind of like what a company typically does. Yeah. If you wanna actually go deeper, start to peel back some of those layers, I encourage people to take a look at their life and start to map out those milestone experiences in their lives to see what were the highs, the lows, everything in between that really shaped who you are today. And then we actually go back and connect the values to those experiences. So oftentimes people just think, oh yeah, freedom matters to me because it matters to me. Like, well, no, it matters to you because of a certain people who influenced you in that way for better or worse, certain experiences that made you feel like you had freedom or didn't. Um, and, and so to actually past in that history, it ignites incredible sense of clarity around like, wow, I thought I was the most driven by freedom, but actually now that I look back, authenticity is the thing that drives me the most because people start to see authenticity was the biggest thing that came on their, as I call it, a lifeline when you start mapping out these life experiences. So I'm just using the words authenticity and freedom. These could be replaced with any values, obviously, but just as examples, it's, it's really amazing oftentimes what we think off the top of our head. And then when we go back and honor that history, we recognize that, wow, it's a lot bigger than I ever realized. And it makes so much sense why this drives me or even it makes so much sense why this drives me and I don't want it to anymore because yeah, that actually serves me. I'll add, like you said, you're just using values off the top of your head. I'll add my own that I pulled away because it was really um, a powerful experience to, to, to think about these. And I intentionally, I'd been following you on LinkedIn for a while and obviously we had connected and talked just about business. And then I was uh, just, you know, in a little bit of a emotional rut at the time and and couldn't quite put my finger on it and i was scrolling through and you had your your thing on linkedin about this life lens workshop and i was like you know what like let's i for me you know i lead workshops and trainings different than, than yours but similar idea and so i think it's funny how um i got into this work because i love personal development and and growth and the, the irony of it, and Ryan and I talk about this a lot, is we end up not kind of being a participant anymore. And, and part of that is time. You know, we're traveling and working so much that when, when we are home with family or just, just relaxing to, to then take another, like I remember before I signed up for your workshop, I said to my wife, I go, hey, it was a weekend I was home. And, and I said, I go, hey, um, I think I'm gonna go to this workshop on Sunday. And it's, it's all day. And I know I'm home this Sunday, but like, I really think I should go to this. And she was supportive of it just because she knows how much I, I value my time when I'm home. But uh, so I just share that to say it, it was a, it was a big deal for me to even just say, you know, I'm going to go to this thing. And uh, 
And, and I can also go in with a mentality of, I, I know what's going to happen or I know what's going to be talked about and, and taking the, the test beforehand. It's like, okay, here's the values. And, but, but I'm sharing all this to say what was impactful for me is you, you have these values and then you had this, I have it here. I, I typically don't show the video. Maybe I'll post a picture of this so people know what I'm showing, but uh, the kind of where you map out your timeline and your highs and your lows that you talked about. And when I started mapping out my highs and lows, a lot of them came from my high school years. And I shared this in the workshop. And then when I looked at my, my values, um, a lot of those values were present during my high school years, which is sense of belonging, community, growth, humor, varied life, connection, like all this kind of stuff. And I laughed and thought, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of times me and people that I know, you know, you'll look back to the quote unquote glory days and roll your eyes at, well, you know, obviously, you know, playing high school sports was a lot of fun, but you can't get that back. And in the workshop is the first time I thought to myself, you know what, it was a lot of fun, not because I was a kid. It was a lot of fun because all this stuff was present for me. All these values were present for me. And a lot of people, they don't look back to their high school years as their glory days because those things were not present for them. And right. so when I realized that is when I took a step back and thought, you know what, my rut is because I've not been intentional about how I create these in my day-to-day -day life. Um, and, and, and how could I be more intentional about, specifically for me, that community and that sense of belonging. And going back to the high school days, athletics was, was like 100% my world and and it kind of it wasn't it isn't it wasn't it is now but it wasn't for a while um you just yeah. kind of forget about it and so that's why i've started and i had started coaching lacrosse before your workshop but it really reminded me why i got back into coaching middle school something i never considered i don't have kids yet and i'm coaching middle school lacrosse and and have really invested deeper into the athletic community and it might seem like a simple nuance but for me it was a big moment to just embrace that reality of this is important to me and it's been really cool it's like i think your workshop gave me permission to say this is this is uh, something i'm going to prioritize because community and sense of belonging and connection and and all this is so important to me um, mm -hmm. as well as other things but it really just clarified that so i wanted to share my experience because i think it adds some some real life flavor uh, to to what you do and and gives people uh, kind of an understanding of why yes we've heard this idea before let's talk about our core values but the way that you did it was really really good well you gave me goosebumps just hearing you describe it again because i remember when you came it was already such an honor because when anybody who's a facilitator of these kinds of things chooses to come to your thing you know it's a big deal because as you mentioned I know that you're traveling the country doing these kinds of experiences, but obviously this is a very specific one around values and that type of stuff. So I love that you showed up and I loved how you were such a wonderful contributor to that conversation and sharing your insights and aha moments. And that's one of the other things that's so dynamic about doing this work in a group. So right, that, that concept of community and sense of belonging is that we start to realize really quickly that while we might have had different experiences in our lives, obviously we all have very unique and different experiences, at our core, at the center of who we are, we are so much more alike than not. We just don't always have spaces to talk about it from that lens. And when you're talking to anybody, 
about your values and then connecting it to people who influenced you in those values or experiences that form those values, it creates some of the most meaningful and deep connections that don't just happen in typical conversations. And sometimes we might know somebody our whole lives and never get to the point of being able to talk to them as deeply as we do in, in those experiences. So thank you for adding to that conversation in such a big way and, and revisiting that now. It brought back a lot of wonderful memories of that day. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great workshop and, uh, and you're 100% right. You know, there is so much just value and being in, in a group and sharing those ideas. And, um, you know, one of the things I do quite often when I facilitate is I'll, for, and this fits with our style, but I'll have a group and I'll say, you know, stand up, like as soon as we start, stand up, find a new chair, sit next to someone who you've never met before, or if it's a team that I'm working with, sit next to someone you don't know very well, um, which is always fun too with a team to see like there are people immediately that point at somebody and run over and grab them, which is cool of acknowledging like, I don't know anything about you. And part of that is because I have found people are a little bit more honest and vulnerable with someone they don't really know and they overshare. Right. Like I would have to explain to you if I'm trying to when I was trying to explain why my high school days were where a lot of my highs came from. I had to over explain it to the partners I was with because they don't know me. They don't know uh, what high school was like for me. And I don't know what high school is like for them. You know, maybe me saying that and they're like, what are you talking about? High school is the worst. And so you got to over explain mm -hmm. it. Whereas if I'm sitting next to someone who's known me for, for 20, 30 years, then then. I might not share as much. I might say, uh, and I see that too. When people do partner, the conversation's over quick because it's like, oh, this, this, yes, yes, done. And, and you don't really dive deeper. And there's a lot, of, a lot of good ahas that come when you dive deeper into something that you think you understand, but you really haven't unpacked it. Totally. And also a lot of times we're not sharing in, in that deeper way with people who know us because of fear of what they might think. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, well, they already know me as this Bobby. So if they know me as that Bobby, are they still going to like me? Are they still going to be my friend? Are they still going to want to hang out with me? And those are these human fears that so many of us experience and feel like vulnerability is the scariest thing in the world and not recognizing that it's actually the most courageous thing. Mm -hmm. And that when it's met with empathy, that's when these incredible lifelong bonds are created. So let's pivot from that into your work with organizations, because, you know, the workshop I went to is, you know, we had what, 20, 30 people in a room and not, maybe a couple people knew each other. But for the most part, we are individuals who have signed up to come on a Sunday to a life lens workshop about values that is far different from you showing up to an organization with people <laughs> who, who maybe they were voluntold to be there. Um, so talk about the work you do with companies around this. Yeah. So this specifically, when I, when I'm going into a company that either wants to totally refresh their values, like maybe they have them, but they haven't used them in any way. And so they're completely fine with letting them go or reframing them in some way or an organization that's never had values and they want to create them for the first time, that's when I do a two-day retreat with their whole team. So I have done this with 
up to a hundred people before, which is a really interesting and obviously changes the dynamics quite a bit too. Sure. The more people you have, the, the more it changes the way people are willing to share or not willing to share. Mm-hmm. And so it's always a mandatory experience versus whoever feels like coming, you know, show up because this is about defining your values for your organization. And if only people who feel like being there are a part of the conversation, you're not actually getting the information you need as far as what intrinsically motivates the people on this in on this team in this organization that type of thing so when I when I do it this way it's the first day is life lens so what you experience the first day is all about the individual so we walk people through it's about five hours it can be longer than that if, if it's being more customized for for specific stuff because sometimes people will say we want to do this values workshop and talk about communications right because yeah there's a direct correlation between how we behave and what our values are and communications are most often something that's something of opportunity an area of opportunity for a company. So first day is all about the individual. So we understand like, what are these things called values? They're not just a fluffy poster on the wall. They're a part of who we are as humans. Let's figure out what motivates you as an individual. So then when we go to day two, it's all about the organization overall. And oftentimes when people do values work, they will look at what are the buzzwords of our industry right now? How do people describe what we, how we work here? It's a marketing type of experience. And again, that's not a bad thing, but it's not getting at the intrinsic motivators of the people who work there. So day two, we take all of that information information that came out from day one of these are the values that drive so the core values of these humans that make up this workplace and then we look at all right well guess what 98% of people are here are driven by sense of belonging so why don't we make that a core value of this organization instead of saying it's I don't know innovation because that's what we're supposed to say in our industry Mm -hmm. right because Innovation can come from a sense of belonging. And, and maybe it is the, uh, the other side and that uh, people are saying they're driven by innovation and that's a beautiful thing too. But I have found that when an organization can be intentional about tapping into what intrinsically motivates their people versus we're going to tell you what you should care about, yeah. it changes a huge shift in the buy-in and the experience around actually having these values come to life. So day two is now we're going to say these are the top three to five values for this organization. And then we go into defining each one of those values. So let's just use innovate. Like, okay. Innovation is one of our values. Well, what does that mean for XYZ company? Not what does dictionary.com say, or what you've Googled somewhere, but what does it mean for our company? What's the definition for our company so that there's no guesswork? Because I'm sure that my definition of innovation is different than yours. And so it's important that they collaborate on, this is what it means for our organization. And then we go into, so what are the expectations around behaviors when it comes to that? Because you can easily say your organization values innovation and then there's no opportunities for people to innovate. And when you go in and talk to them, they say, I came up with a new idea and I was shut down and I was told that I was entitled for wanting to come up with a a different way. That's like a very common piece of feedback that I get specifically around innovation is we say we care about that, but there really isn't any place for us to try to make this 
uh, a different or uh, a speedier or a more effective or efficient thing because we're really stuck in we well we've already done that so we just keep going with what we have so there's this idea of aspirational values versus lived values and what we do when we're crafting these is we not only say okay so here are the behaviors of expectation around that value but then we talk about what are the pitfalls so what's the reality right not this is not just about rainbows and sunshine pie in the sky everyone's going to live by the values because they're now written out and we all agreed on them that's not how we work as humans so we start to have conversations around like what's the reality on why this wouldn't happen right and and some of it might go back to what you were just saying a moment ago of you know, I'm not comfortable having those kind of conversations with my supervisor. I don't feel psychological safety around bringing up a point that goes against one of our values because I think I'll be reprimanded for it. And so that's when we can dive much deeper into, all right, so where does there need to be uh, a bigger opening around either training or coaching or getting more curious about how some of those dynamics can shift so these values can be lived and that it's an incredible experience and it's extremely bonding for the whole organization. And then after we, we launch that and that becomes sort of an official piece for the organization, then we move into the operations. So we look at how are you hiring people around these values, right? Cause you can't have a set of values. And if you don't make sure people are aware of them and ask them about how they relate to them, you can't expect them to just be on board because you said so. You have to really be intentional about that. Mm -hmm. you know, how are you putting them in, in your one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions? How are they a part of performance reviews? How are they a part of the way you conduct a meeting, the way you engage with clients, right? And, and how are they part of how you let people go? Because if you're not willing to fire someone over a value that's been mistreated or used in a way that was actually hurting people, then you are not actually living your values. That's just, it's again, it's just a nice idea. It's not real. So that's a deep, deep dive experience. And you, like you said, you're getting all the employees to, to really invest in the conversation of the culture of the organization and maybe have some tough conversations with the supervisors and those who run it. Um, how, when, when a company or an organization, I should say, reaches out to you, um, are they really open to that reality off the bat? Do you get groups that you get them in the room and there's, there's kind of pushback or even, well, I don't, I mean, my, I'll, I'll, cause I'm, it's a loaded question cause it's coming from my experience and it's, I don't often see individuals that have like deep pushback, but I see apathy where there'll be individuals, especially you mentioned a hundred people in a room that are just not invested. And they're just, if it's a two day experience, let's just get through this two days. And, and that is, if you're having this conversation around values, then that's something to address. So, you know, I think that was a really awesome picture of what it looks like. How do you work with a group that maybe isn't really invested in these ideas and you get them bought in? Yeah, it's so much of it has to do with the buildup leading to the experience, right? So if you're like, we're having a two day offsite, it's going to be about values. Yeah. That's not enough. It's not enough. And so in learning that over time, because people would come and be like, I had no idea this is what we were going to do. If I had known this is what it was going to be, I would have done X, Y, Z differently, or I would have prepared myself in this way or whatever. So now 
I've jet created a, a whole email series leading up to these events to, to the best of my ability to communicate, but then also coach the executive team or the CEO, whoever is actually like the spearheading this to speak to everybody directly. So whether that's an all staff event or they just call everybody together for a moment to say, this is why this is so important and to show how bought in they are. And then when I start in the beginning, and again, this is all because I've learned over time, not because yeah. I had this figured out on day one. Why I asked. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then when I, when I get through, the first thing I say is, how many people here are just counting down the time to see when they can get back to their desk because they have so much work to do? Yeah. Right? So if you can say it, what, you, what they're thinking out loud, they might not raise their hand in that moment, but at least you're acknowledging that you understand their human experience and you understand that this is, might, may feel like a huge sacrifice in their quote unquote busy schedule, but then it's reframed into how much further ahead we're all going to get and how much we're going to reduce so many of the issues that are creating this extreme sense of um, busyness in the office because we can put them through a values filter after we go through this process and how it's ultimately going to get us so much further ahead because we're taking these two days to be present and to slow down and to reflect. And that doesn't do it, right? That's not like a hundred, that's not getting you a hundred percent, but at least gets a little more bought in. And then there's the people who are just going to sit there with their arms crossed the whole time and not participate and um, dig their heels in. And I find that those are typically the folks who are just very uncomfortable with having any kind of reflective conversations, whether it's because they had a history that they don't want to think about in their lives, or they've just never been comfortable having quote unquote vulnerable conversations. The thing is, and, and I know I, I, I share this often in, in the, the workshop, so you may have heard me say this before, I can share a story about how important sense of belonging is because of a history with an abusive father and that seems very vulnerable and my husband could share a story of um, not being able to tap dance as a kid and that was where he dropped off his creativity and it's not that one is more vulnerable than the other right just because it might seem like well tap dancing versus abuse like what what's more vulnerable like no if you've never told anybody about the tap dancing thing like that is extremely vulnerable and maybe even listening is vulnerable maybe even just being in a space where you have to think about things that have made you who you are feels very vulnerable. So there's a lot of norming that's done in the beginning of helping people understand that they need to meet themselves where they are. They need to check in with themselves throughout the whole experience, listen to the messages their body is giving them if they're uncomfortable and they need to step outside for a moment and take a break. But I will also say that it's facilitated in a very different way from the corporate side versus the individual side. I don't push as hard in the corporate space for people to go into those places of the, the low side as much um, because sharing an amazing win is also vulnerable. It doesn't just have to be something that was this like quote unquote secret from the past. Like it doesn't need to be that. It can, it could even be saying how much you 
how much you love some kind of thing that happened in your life, that could feel vulnerable because people are worried about what other people will think of them when they say that. And that's what it's all about. And when it comes down to it in the workplace, if we are working alongside people where we're constantly in fear of what they might think of us, we can never be authentic. We can never connect in a meaningful, deep way. And therefore we'll never reach our potential as an organization. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that, everybody needs to know everybody's life and everybody needs to know everyone's story. I, I don't actually advocate for that, but there needs to be experiences where people can open up and connect through things like values and not in a superficial way, which is what I see most of the time. Like I, I was with an organization that was saying they were having a values ice cream social. And I was like, well, what does that mean? They're like, we're just going to name each one of the ice creams, a different one of our values. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what does that even like? I don't get that. I don't. I don't see the correlation between that. How can we create meaning in that? Right? Like, mm -hmm. how can we? Because that's what so many people want to do. They want to check yeah. a box well, and it, say, it, it, and it, we did it. it does more harm than good because then that's why you have the individual. Not always. I'm not going to paint like a broad stroke here, but I think there are a lot of individuals that come into an experience kind of expecting it to be a waste of time and rolling their eyes because that's all they've experienced. And right. when I, um, you know, you talked to, you kind of walk through the different types of people you have in a group. And um, I started a recent training by saying there's three kinds of people in the room right now. The first kind of person is super excited to be here. Like you cannot wait to get started. You are leaned in, ready to go. And like when I'm saying that the people that are that person are starting to laugh and look at other people and their friends are like hitting them. Yep. And then I go, the second kind of person is kind of feeling it out. You don't really know how you feel about me yet. Uh, you think I have a little too much energy. Uh, you're, you're looking at your friends and your partners and your colleagues and saying like, are we really going to participate in this thing? And if your partners and colleagues and neighbors right now are saying like, yeah, like I'm in, you're kind of like, oh, okay, fine. If your colleagues are like, no, let's take it easy. You're like, all right, I sat with the right people. And then I'll say in the third kind of person, you've got your arms crossed. You got the middle finger on your face right now and you just don't want to be here and and that occasionally you'll see some people that are I don't want to say rub the wrong way but don't know how to make that but this one in particular the guy just started dying laughing and 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 I and I called him out I was like is that you he's like that is me and I was like awesome I can't wait to get to know you and and, and it loosened it up a little bit you call it the elephant in the room and in the end of the day um, I'd say by lunchtime because this was one of our two-day experiences which uh, you know we go pretty late on the first day and by lunch he came up to me before they broke and said I'm really having a, a good time and you know I almost apologized for being that third kind of person I said not at all don't 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 apologize for that he goes no I just want you to know I've just I really thought this was gonna be a waste of time like I really have been through kind of like the ice cream social kind of experience yes. I'm not trying to throw crap on leaders who, who lead those I think your intentions are good and right. and right. just be a little bit more thoughtful that you know people they, they want growth. They crave understanding themselves and their, their colleagues and, and all this kind of stuff. It's difficult. It's not always easy. You don't have to, like you said, you don't have to share your deepest, darkest secrets with everybody. And if we can have a human experience where we talk about this stuff in a real way, I think that adds a lot of credibility to the leaders of an organization that they've taken yeah. time to do that. Uh, we yeah. had a woman who that same training, a woman who was having a really hard time with some of the conversations that we were having. And I talked to her on a break and she said, you know, she came in cause her company sent her 
and her company sent her because um, they they wanted her to experience this positive energy training, which I think has a negative connotation already. It's like, well, you think I have something that needs to be fixed? And and so right. really making clear, you don't have anything that needs to be fixed. And, and for her, she's got a lot of personal stuff going on, which she didn't even fully share with me, but just acknowledging that, you know what, like my attitude that I'm bringing to work every day has nothing to do with work. It's yeah. what's going on outside of work. And even that, I like what you noted, you don't have to share everything, but even her acknowledging that allows her to take control of it. And then also even sharing that with a supervisor of, Hey, I know you're not, you're, you're noticing my attitude is not where you want it to be. I want you to be aware. It's got nothing to do with you. It's entirely yeah. personal stuff. And that yeah. is there's, there's another really great um, reframe for folks too that I found in this situation. So I had an experience recently where one of the, the guys in the group, and this was probably like, I don't know, it like immediately came up to me and was like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this? Wait, hold on, like, you cut out as you started that story. Start the story okay. again. It sounds like Start good. the story <laughs> again. Okay. So um, I had an experience recently with a group that was a, a, a decent sized group, 60 or 70 people or so. And one of the guys, I could tell just from his body language that he was not happy about being there. And I was setting things up still when they were arriving. It was like breakfast time, that kind of a thing. And he came over to me immediately and was like, what, what is this? What are we going to do here? Like, what is this? Like, help me understand. And, and it was with a, a tinge of annoyed, right? He was annoyed and I could tell. And, and I knew I was like, this is going to be my guy. Like, I know I'm going to, he's going to be the one that like, I need to keep checking in on and, and he will be one of the greatest examples for this whole group because he's so vocal about it. And so throughout every exercise, he would raise his hand and say, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how this is connected to my work. I don't understand what this has to do with it. Like, why do we need to do this? So he was creating a very specific energy and a very specific dynamic in the space. It eventually got to a point where he got it and the whole room started clapping for him. And it created this really beautiful experience. But he came up to me afterward and he said, you know, I'm just really frustrated because I feel like I didn't have what I needed to be prepared for this. I feel like I was really confused throughout the exercise. I didn't know where we were going. If I had known where we were going, I would have felt differently about this. And it just was really frustrating me. And I said, okay, everything you just said to me, let's lift it up above this workshop and tell me where in life you feel that way. Where do you wish you had more direction? Where do you wish there was more clarity? Where do you wish you knew where things were going? And he started crying and he said, that's my whole life. Mm. And I said, this is what these experiences open up for us. When we can identify patterns, like feeling frustrated, just channeling it into this experience in this workshop, we can actually take a couple steps back and say, where is this a trend in my life? Because it's not the workshop, it's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And then he started working with me one-on-one -on -one after that because he never had anybody hold up the mirror to him in that way. And he was so grateful for it because everybody would just get frustrated and annoyed instead of, no, this is something to get curious about and open up more to. Because I think so many times facilitators who haven't done their own work, they might take it personally and want to shut it down as fast as possible instead of using it as an opening to get 
more information and to explore more deeply and to help that person reflect more on themselves and, yeah. and what that could be for the bigger picture in life. Yeah, that's 100%. You know, I think a big shift for me as a facilitator was a number of years ago when I realized it's not about me. And, and certainly there, there are events I can look at early in my career that they weren't successful because of me, because I didn't have the skills or, or even the, the, I guess, experience and intelligence to look at that situation and reframe it. And, you know, like you were mentioning, and once you kind of get to a point where you are comfortable in, in how you run an event, you're right. Now, now I'm back away and say, you know what, what this individual's feeling isn't about me. Uh, how can I help them through it? And, and even if it is, maybe again, there always are things that you can improve on as a facilitator. It's not abdicate right. responsibility, but it is right. saying when you're, when you're taking someone through this, it's 100% correct. If that's how you feel about this, okay, yes, I will. Uh, uh, let's take a look at how you were set up for this event. And there's 99 other people here that were okay with the setup um, so where else is this showing up for you it doesn't mean you're bad it's it's how you process the world and how you see the and he gave me great feedback he's the reason why i now have this whole email series before yeah. an event starts yeah. so it's like you said it's not to dis dismiss somebody saying they need more and it's, i thanked him immensely for that but I also was like, I'm not going to take full responsibility for the experience you're going through in this moment, because this is actually a wonderful opening for you to look at yourself and take responsibility for yourself. And, and what you said a, a minute earlier, too, is I used to do these workshops and think it was 100% my personal mission to make this the best experience for every single person in the room. And if I didn't get 100% of everybody thinking this was the best experience of their life, then I was a failure. And as soon as I recognized how painful and harmful and what a disservice that was to everybody in the, in the room, everyone who was there, whether it was because they were told they had to be there or they chose to be there, it released this incredible amount of just pain, really, that I was carrying into that space of expectation that is just not realistic or reasonable. We all know not everyone's going to like us. Not everyone's going to resonate with everything we have to say. And that's okay. And that there's still possibility for those people to get even one nugget. And, and that's how I keep trying to help people. It's if you got one new piece of information, focus on that, right? If there's one thing that even if it's something you learn you don't like, that's great information. That's yeah. great information to take with you in the future and to keep building on in, in your own discovery of yourself and self-awareness. Mm -hmm. No, I think I 100% agree. Um, so this individual started working with you one-on-one. -on -one. What is, what does that work look like when you're working with someone one-on-one? -on -one? Um, what do you, is that a long-term relationship with you? Is it phone calls in person? Are you, are you helping them continue to unpack their values? What is yep. that work that you do? I call it executive alignment coaching. So if in the word alignment, it kind of alludes to it. And it's all about helping individual align themselves with their values. So it's, we're not talking about values every minute of the, the conversation, but they are the guide. So they're the compass for all the conversations that we're having. And it can, it's a combination of things. Sometimes people just want it for a short term for a specific thing that they want to advocate for or shift. That's one particular piece of their life that doesn't need an extensive 
long-term engagement. And then there's folks that I've been working with for a couple years. And most of these people are leaders of organizations or leaders of teams, and they want to get themselves in alignment so that they can do the best for not only themselves, but everybody that is a part of their their experience throughout the day, throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. And that makes such a huge difference in, in just what I was saying a moment ago about being a facilitator. If you're a facilitator and, and your ego is at the forefront of everything you're facilitating, you're not gonna be giving the best experience to your people. That's the same thing for if you're leading an organization or leading a team. If everything is going through this lens of how it impacts you as an individual versus no, let me get in alignment with myself so that everything isn't impacting me in such a dramatic way when something pushes me a little bit to the side because it's not exactly how I expected things to turn out. You can ground in your values and reset in your values instead of kind of getting carried away into a toxic experience or creating a bigger issue than it really needs to be because you're not so caught up in the drama of an experience, but you're able to create that space. So this is a part of mindful leadership. Everything comes back to mindfulness in, in the process too. I actually recently just trademarked the term values-based mindfulness mm. for this exact reason, because the concept of mindfulness is, is being able to be in the present moment, to be able to live consciously with intention, right? Not thinking about what you didn't get done yesterday or what you need to do tomorrow, but just being in the moment. And you can't be in alignment with your values if you're not mindful. It doesn't, it doesn't like you said, in your own experience, you were like, I need to reactivate connection and sense of belonging and those kinds of things because they made me feel so great. Well, some of that might happen organically, but if you really want to live that way on a daily basis, or even you want to have that as the majority of your experience throughout the week, you have to do it with mindful intention. Mm -hmm. And so teaching people how to just drop in to that within themselves. So one of the executives I work with, her, her big thing is, is joy and, and feeling a sense of joy. And she's really overworked. She's leading a humongous organization. And it's hard because you think there's nothing I can do about this because I have to be a part of all these meetings. I have to be a part of all of the stuff that's happening in the office because I'm the CEO. But the reality is when you can drop into understanding what aspects of this work bring you joy, you can delegate and have other people who the thing that doesn't bring you joy brings them joy, right? And you just have been sort of muscling your way through, suffering through because you thought you had to do it all. But the reality is you're helping yourself and everyone else when you can demonstrate what it looks like to show up in your values and not to feel overwhelmed and overworked and filled with anxiety and stress, but grounded and centered in the things that matter most to you as an individual and as, as a reflection of the, the company at large. And I like how you bring the word and the reality of mindfulness into that conversation because when I left your workshop and talked to my wife or my parents or Ryan and said, you know, how was that workshop? And I said, well, I really, you know, have come to embrace that sense of belonging and community and connection is important to me. No one was like shocked. They almost looked at me like, why was that a helpful workshop? Because I mean, that has been my, my mission for 10 years <laughs> is, is uh, uh, that's the work I do. That's what this podcast is. That's what our work trainings are, is building community and sense of belonging and connection. And, but the irony is I had 
put, I, I was creating that for so many teams and organizations and people, but I wasn't being mindful about it in my own life and, and being intentional about it in my own life. And, and so that word mindfulness really resonates with me in terms of, like you said, value-based mindfulness, because that is kind of the, a lot of times the biggest aha can be also the simplest in terms of taking a step back and saying, this is important to me. I'm aware of that, but I haven't been mindful and intentional about it. Yeah. I like that. Good, good work trademark. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. But, you know, it's, it's exciting because I, I was actually talking to somebody who leads a big national organization around mindful leadership and they, I was connected to them. I, I, I teach also on the platform insight timer, which is a mindful meditation app. And so I've been like, you know, a quote unquote teacher of mindfulness for a while now in a space where that's what people are specifically going to versus I kind of bake it into the experience that people have, whether they're asking me for it or not. But it's, it's been really cool to be able to go back to that and recognize that when any of us are mindful, we unlock incredible wisdom inside of ourselves and just by doing that in ourselves we influence everyone around us we influence all the people around us i'm like what's different about you and i can say personally in in my life in my partnership with my husband when i started going down this journey myself it started because i had an incredible work addiction it was really debilitating it was i was hurting myself on a daily basis because i was striving for this unrealistic measure of success that nobody was putting on to me but myself and all of my trauma from the past that I thought I had to be that way. And it wasn't until I started to learn mindfulness practices and slow down and give myself the space to be present with, well, just because I'm creating connection with everybody else out there, am I creating connection with myself? Right. And I was in a very similar boat to what you just described. I was the champion for creating community and connection. And that was my job before I started my own business. It's literally what I did for a living. My title was relationship manager. Mm -hmm. And it was the type of thing that I thought I was activating that value in myself because I was doing it for everybody else all the time. But the reality was I made no space for a connection with my, my own stuff and my own relationships because even when I showed up with a friend, I was asking them all about them. And it was just always about giving, 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 giving. And there was very little room for receiving or asking for support when I needed it because I just thought that wasn't being a good friend or that wasn't being a good person or a good human. And it wasn't until I was able to make that space and slow down that I recognized how much I was numbing myself out to my own life by making myself so busy that I didn't have to look at myself Mm -hmm. because I was getting so many accolades and praise from the community that that to me was a substitute for my own relationship with myself. Yeah. There's truth in that. And what, so what is your, we kind of, before we hit record, we were talking about some of the work you're doing right now with um, mindfulness workshops during this COVID-19 social distancing and quarantine time. And I know you just mentioned your kind of addiction to work. And I was reading an article I think it was in the New York Times yesterday or the day before about how this this current time is for a lot of people 
showing how addicted Americans specifically as a society are addicted to work and addicted to busy and and a lot of their self-worth comes from the grind and the little victories you get from from work and 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 just this it's kind of whether for good or bad the article really didn't say it was just kind of saying this is interesting to see how many people are having a tough time with being separated from work and so talk about I guess some of the work you're doing right now with mindfulness but also guidance for people uh, around that yeah so the work I'm doing in companies right now around this values-based mindfulness or mindful leadership has been an incredible shift during this time because a lot of the places, like I said before, I, I bake it into everything I do. Like you're going to get mindfulness whether you ask for it or not because it's a part of just my style of facilitation. But at the same time, there weren't people chomping at the bit saying, will you teach us this mindful leadership workshop that you have, or will you lead us through some practices on how we can slow down in our own lives? And one of the silver linings around the pandemic is that the, the level of this kind of stuff you're talking about, of, of feeling um, disconnected from yourself, disconnected from the things that bring you a sense of purpose, feeling extraordinary amounts of stress and anxiety, the, everybody's like, can you help us with that? Is that something you can do? And so with a, a handful of the, the companies that I work with, we've pivoted now to twice a week for 15 minutes at a time. I teach them one aspect of mindful leadership, and then we actually do that thing. So I might talk to them about a specific breathing technique, and then we actually do the breathing technique together. And then we have a short reflection around where they can use that in life. And it's a combo of learning the specific technique activating it, but then being intentional, this goes back to like being a mindful leader and, and having more presence of being able to say, this is where I need that more. I need that more when my kid is popping in on the Zoom screen, it's making me feel really overwhelmed, or I need that more when I feel really isolated because I live alone and I feel so um, very alone in this experience, or when I turn on the news and it makes me feel super overwhelmed, or I didn't get the information I needed from my client, and now I feel behind and the rest of my team had it, but because we're not physically together, I feel Feel like I'm missing out, right? So those are just a couple examples of things that are coming up uh, very regularly. And uh, a practice that I encourage everyone to, to have now and forever is a combination of, of knowing that you always have your heart and you always have your breath as long as you're alive. And taking a moment to pause and center in your heart and your breath. It might sound really woo-woo to folks who have never done these practices before, but there is scientific research that shows us how incredible and how powerful it can be to simply stop and reconnect with the fact that we are living in this moment and we can our heart can only beat now our breath can only happen now so talk about mindfulness being all about being in the present moment you can only breathe now you didn't breathe in the past you're not going to breathe in a minute those things happened and will happen but you can only focus on the breath happening in this moment and same with the heartbeat so an exercise i would encourage everyone to do is take one hand and put it over their heart and one on their belly and close their eyes and just take a long deep breath 
and notice what hand moves. Is it the hand on their heart or their chest or is it the hand on their belly? What is it for you, Bobby? My belly. Great. Great either way, if you're on your heart or your belly, it's good just to be aware. But when we take breaths from our belly, it actually slows things down. When we take breaths from our chest or our heart, it's shorter breaths and it speeds things up. So when you're feeling an incredible amount of stress or anxiety, you often start to take shorter breaths that activate your body into this fight or flight mode, the stress mode, and we don't even realize that we have so much more control and power than that. So if we just center ourselves in making sure that the hand on our belly is moving, and even just something as simple as three deep breaths, you realign yourself in that breath, and if you wanted to add values to the experience, so, so maybe it's for you connection, we can, we can go on that. So you take these three deep, deep breaths, or however long, I'd, I'd recommend if you can give it five minutes, give it five minutes, it's a beautiful amount of time. And then you can simply put your hands in your heart and say, where do I need to connect more right now? Privately to yourself in your own moment of, of pause and silence. Where do I need to connect more with others? Where do I need to connect more with myself? Right? And so you can just ask yourself a reflective question in that way and then give space to receive the answer. Because when we focus on our breath and we use our breath first, it gets us out of our head and it moves us into our body. So we're not thinking of the logical response per se, but we're moving into what is it that we really need? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, you, you cut out right at the end there. So I, maybe I didn't give a reaction, but um, I want to add this. I've been doing, thank you for doing that. Uh, I had written down that I was going to ask you to walk us through something. Uh, oh, so right. That was awesome. Um, and, you know, I did it as well while you were walking us through and you know when when i put my hand on my heart and ask that question what do i need to connect to right now immediately um family is the word that popped in and and i almost in as you're doing it on this podcast in my gut i had a sense of like almost wanting to push it back because not that i don't want to connect with my family i do and right now as i said to you before we hit record um I am, I am zooming all day, every day. Uh, we're zooming right now, which is great. And, and after this, I have a zoom call with uh, a lacrosse team. I coach. And after that, I have a zoom call with a group of soccer coaches who uh, I'm grateful to be a part of. We're talking about culture and leadership right now as just something to, to talk about that's not COVID-19 related. And other than that, I'm doing a coaching program with athletes. Other than that, Ryan and I are writing a book. Other than that, uh, I'm doing videos for social media. And so I am actually busier now than when I travel because uh, it's when I travel, there's a lot of downtime to hop on the phone when I'm driving or waiting in line and call you know, a family member. And right now I find that that's not happening. And so it is interesting. Uh, that has been my reflection. And even right now, that's the reflection that pops in of taking intentional time. You know, even, you know, weekends don't even really mean anything to me because a lot of teams will want their Zoom sessions to happen on a Saturday or Sunday. And so it's, it's, I thought about it this morning. And so it makes sense that it came about in this conversation of taking that time to say, you know what, I, I got to be 
mindful of, of my own state and intentional about connecting more with family right now because uh, it's, it's happening actually less than prior to this COVID-19 because yeah. taken up. and I'm sure that's true. You know, whoever, whatever, whoever's listening, you know, there's this, uh, whatever you got going on right now, it is important, like you said, to take a moment, to take a step back, breathe, and just be intentional about what you need right now. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, it, it's particularly folks who are parents to, to kids that they need to be homeschooling now at the same time that it, it that is an, and daunting experience for most people, right? Most people aren't like, this is great. I got all the answers up my sleeve. This is like, we got it all figured out. Yeah. And, and I think that often folks who are caring for other people as the majority of how they identify themselves, they almost always put themselves last and they think, oh, I don't have time for that. And they think that it's some kind of a huge investment of time when it can literally be 30 seconds. I have an energy bell that is just it, actually, I have it right here. It's just this little bell. I know you've heard me use it in, yeah. in the workshop and, and you can order these kinds of things online. It's like 30 seconds of sound uh, when I ring the bell and I just take slow, intentional, deep breaths and think about my intention of whatever it is I'm stepping into or whatever I want to be feeling in that moment. And I just breathe through those 30 or so seconds. And that's literally all it takes I've coached several executives now who all have their own energy bells and they ring them before they start meetings and they have everybody center themselves in their intention for that conversation mm -hmm. because those 30 seconds can change an entire experience. And we think that it has to be like, you have to go through a training, you have to go through a retreat or whatever. And it's these little nudges, it's these little tiny shifts that ultimately make the biggest impacts because we can work them into our habits, work them into our routines. And if we are just being very intentional about the tiny, tiny baby steps, that's when we can be more mindful in our lives and more connecting to ourselves and giving ourselves the space to acknowledge that we matter too. Mm -hmm. I love it. I appreciate it. Um, what, so you mentioned insight timer. Is that an app that anyone can access and find? Absolutely. It's a free app. You can get it on any kind of platform. They also have, you can get on their, they have a website too, but the app is much more dynamic and they actually have about 14 million users on their platform right now. So it's an incredible community. It's a place where you can find a guided meditation or a talk or music or really anything that you might want to get more support around. So for me, I will even go on and it's almost, it's almost like you, you can Google whatever you want through the platform. So you can just say anxiety and it'll pull up thousands of anxiety uh, support, whether it's again, a talk, a meditation, and you can also filter by how much time you have, if you want a male or a female voice, if you want it to be guided or not. Uh, and, and it's just created this incredible place of connection for me personally with other people all over the world who are looking for the same type of thing, but also from just developing my own practices and my own skills. I have a woman who just started working with me this week and her first quote unquote assignment from me, even though I don't take note, I don't, you know, make sure that people are keeping all their assignments up to date. These are very encouraged activities was to download, they have a free 
10 day how to meditate. And it's 10 minutes a day for 10 days and it's free and it teaches you the basics of how to meditate. Cause she said to me, I just bought a book on meditation. That's fabulous. I think that's a wonderful thing, but couple it with actually meditating and hearing somebody else walk you through it. So you don't have to have your eyes open reading the, the book itself. So I highly recommend it. I, I also am grateful to be a teacher on the platform. I have a, a bunch of talks that anybody can access for free, but then I also have a course on there, which is called knowing and living your values. And if somebody wanted to go on this journey anywhere in the world, 24 seven, that's a place where you could access a 10 day experience. So that's 15 minutes a day. And to, to do that course, it's $20. So it's a, it's a really nice way to be able to discover your values and to learn how to take some of these mindfulness practices into living your values on a regular basis. That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. I've, I've used Thanks. other apps and things uh, kind of when I needed them, whether it's meditation or yoga or breathing. And, and I think they're all good. And, uh, and I think it's just, you know, con consistency has been the, the biggest factor in my life. So uh, I'll give yes. you a check out, especially with some of your classes. Um, so uh, I have one more question that I will ask, but before I do that, um, I, before we end, I just like to, to give you space to say, how can people find you? How do they, how do they look up spark vision? What's the best way to connect with you? So I'm the most active, as you mentioned earlier, on LinkedIn. And if any of this content resonates with, with folks, I post all the time. So if you're looking just for a little message here and there, a little maybe inspiration here and there, that's a wonderful place uh, to connect with me personally. Please let me know that you heard me on the podcast. I'd love to, to know how people are connecting and that yeah, you are a, you are a linkedin celebrity i will i, will I know show it's, that funny. On you. <laughs> it's funny because um i went through a program on how to use linkedin called the influence academy and one of my friends it's, it's her program and once i learned how to use it properly it completely changed my whole business model, the way people engage. I stopped going to networking events because I got so many more connections simply by speaking my truth and sharing regularly on that platform. And, and so it, it almost always this organic, like-minded community of folks that came my way simply by being myself, which is to me like the best possible way to, to be instead of kind of trying to force people or in, convince people that what you have to say is valuable it's you can just say what you have to say and the people who think it's valuable will start to find you and start to connect with you so it's been really wonderful to be a part of that community that global community in a, in a big way and to hear people all over the world simply saying i did that thing you talked about and this is how it's changed my life mm -hmm. and you don't even know them you didn't even know they looked at your thing um and i've even had somebody tell me that their son listen to something that I posted and this was an elementary school child and they watched the video where I talked about overcoming childhood abuse and she said that her son completely changed the way that he talked to her from then on out because he didn't realize that's something that people went through and how much that impacted their lives and I, I've never spoken to this woman before 
And this is an elementary school student. And so it's amazing when you use your voice, when you are authentic and express yourself. This isn't a special Mary Beth thing. This is a human thing that we can all experience if we are in a place where we feel like we have we can share and and that and 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 trust that not everyone's gonna be a fan, but the people who need to hear it or have connection, they'll find it and you can change lives that way. So I would love to have people connect with me there, but if you wanted to know more deeply about my work or, or connect on, a, on a, a more professional level in the sense of you know, knowing more about workshops and things like that, you can go to my website, which is sparkvisionnow.com. And I, will, I love how you framed up kind of your, I, I would call it uh, organic, natural, just authentic success, for lack of a better word, on LinkedIn. Because um, when I, uh, uh, you and I got connected through the Influence Academy, I hadn't taken it, but I was looking to take it. And so you were, you were recommended as someone obviously local to me to, to chat with about it. And um, on, ironically, I decided to not put my energy towards LinkedIn after that because I realized Instagram was actually a much better place for me to share the work I'm doing and how it, how it, cause again, going back to athletics, a lot of, a lot of coaches are on Twitter, but a lot of athletes are on Instagram. And so it became a really natural place for me. And, and the funny part about it is just yesterday, I was talking to Ryan about how I actually also have some of our corporate clients we work with are now following me on Instagram. And I didn't even know these people were on Instagram. And it's kind of funny because it's not their professional, you know, profile but they're and and they're commenting on my videos that i'm making specifically for athletes similar to what you said of the elementary school kid resonating with your, your work um they're commenting on my videos that i'm making for athletes and saying you know this is so relevant and true for, for anybody or for our work or for our organization and obviously i believe that because we have a diverse group of clients and the more that i have just my my frame and my lens for creating content is athletics the clearer I am about what I'm saying. So even someone who's not an athlete still resonates with it, I think because I'm clear about what I'm saying. And when I read your yeah. LinkedIn posts, um, I said this this past week, uh, when I read your LinkedIn posts, it is so on point. It's always so just like, I'm, Thank like you. it is. It's always just like, wow, that makes total sense. And you'll have like 55 comments of people saying the same thing. And, and, and if someone, maybe doesn't understand it or disagrees with you, you can have a conversation in the posts because I read all the comments. I enjoy that. And I learn from the comments and, and, and you'll, you'll get to a place of understanding via that, which is a sign that you are in the right space and community to be able to have conversations. You're not just putting out a platitude about company culture. You're having your own real reflections about it. So um, I think you're hundred percent right. You're in your space there. Anybody can kind of take that away for their own life. And I encourage people to follow you on LinkedIn. I think, uh, I think it's a great space. Um, so my last question is in relation to the podcast. It's 50 cups of coffee. The idea is we just, we, we grow and, and, and have opportunities come our way, be it professional or maybe even just personal um, or just ahas by having these intentional conversations, sitting down for coffee, connecting via Zoom. So I always ask, do you have a 50 cups of coffee story? It doesn't have to be some profound story, but it's simply because of a connection um, that something came your way, uh, an opportunity, a relationship. Uh, you look back and say, I wouldn't have this in my life if I never sat down and connected with that person. 
person. Can I use you as an example? Sure, you'll be the first. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's so many stories, right? But of course, because I'm talking to you, you can't you came to mind. So, as you've mentioned, we we know each other through LinkedIn, and then we had a phone call, and then you came to the workshop, and we don't have like an incredible rich history behind the two of us, but we are deeply connected to one, one another in, in a meaningful way. And recently, randomly out of the blue, I had a university reach out to me and say, I got your name from somebody and I think you might be who we should work with on this project. And I was like, who did you get my name from, right? Because I always want to go back and thank that person, whoever it was. And it was you. It was you. You were the one who who put my name forth. And it's a project where I'm actually helping a university develop a, an institution. And this isn't what they said they wanted, but it's what they're part of what they're going to be getting is helping them to understand what the values are to create the whole program around it. It was it was not the language they were using, but for whatever reason, you thought of me and you, I came to mind and that's not a part of my work that I actually promote regularly because they're very much kind of one-off projects that are usually six months or less. And the majority of my work is either long-term clients or coaching, that kind of thing. And so the fact that I, that you really didn't have an incredible knowledge of that side of my work, but for whatever reason you said, this is the person that I think you need to talk to. And it came with an incredible, uh, there was a lot of backing to you saying that I was somebody. And I know there were a lot of folks that they looked at for, for this project. And ultimately I know that a big part of it coming to fruition was because you thought of me and mm -hmm. it was a, a really wonderful moment of just like, wow, I, you don't ever know. That's the thing is I think oftentimes people are so short sighted that they want a relationship to get them X or, Oh, Bobby could get me in at all of these schools and things like that. Cause that's what he does. Like I never thought of that. That was never an intention behind our developing a relationship with each other. But I know that you're also someone I could call and say, Hey, I really, I love your insight on this. And I know you would give it to me. And I know that you would open doors if there was, uh, it was, it made sense for that to happen. But this was an experience that was really random and totally, totally out of the blue. And as a result, I'm able to help develop this incredible leadership institute that I know is going to be changing lives all over Maryland. And that was because of you. So thank you. I love that story. I'm, I'm grateful you told it. That fills me up that that's the story you choose. And it's interesting because um, I shared this uh, a little bit on LinkedIn. I know I've shared it with you, but I'll share it now that when that event that came through LinkedIn, the individual organizing that sent me a message through LinkedIn. And, and when they described the project, I got really excited. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, and we ha they had a, I was recommended to them from somebody, uh, like I think a previous client. And so we hopped on the phone and as we were talking, I found myself, um, you know, my sales process is asking a lot of questions because I want to know what they're looking for. You can get into, this is what I'll bring to you. And, and then you ask your first question, you realize that's not at all what they want. And so I'm asking my questions 
in my head getting ready to, to say, well, this is how I can serve you. And, and as, as they were, as I was kind of thinking through their questions, you just popped into my head and I thought, you know what, like, this is, this is the work that Mary Beth does. And I remember thinking if I win this contract, right, I am going to have to do a lot of, uh, work to make sure I'm doing this right and serving this group in the way that they want to be served. And I thought of you and thought, I think this is going to be natural for you and, and you'll serve them much better. So at the end of the phone call, I said that I immediately go, I go, have you ever heard of uh, you know, Mary Beth Island? I think that might be uh, in Spark Vision. I talked about your company. That might be better. And the woman was really taken back uh, <laughs> that at the end of a sales call, I'm, I'm recommending her to somebody else. But uh, it was, um, and my, my LinkedIn post was that five, six years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that because I approached things from a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't know that, but that's how I approached things. And I had a mentor in my life who like, kind of challenged me to, to approach things from an abundance mindset, which six, seven years ago, I didn't have. Now our, our work and, and life is more abundant, but at the time business was scarce. And so it was hard to say in a moment of scarcity, I'm gonna be abundant. But that mindset shift was so important because now you're you're in this space. We aren't selling widgets. Like we're 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 here. We're coming in to solve problems. And if you're not the best person to solve that problem, then don't solve the problem. Solving their yeah. problem is going to be recommending them to somebody else. And I think that's especially in the work that we do. I think it's a powerful thing to do. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm trying to say, hopefully that can be an example to people listening to say, it's not only okay, it's encouraged to, to acknowledge I'm not the person for you every now and again. Yes. That abundance versus scarcity mindset is huge. I, and I think particularly for people who are starting their own businesses or solopreneurs or any, anybody who's, really it's like every contract is is a huge difference in whether or not you're going to make it in whatever way you sure. describe success and shifting into that is is such a powerful thing because naturally whether you realize it or not now i think about you every time i do that contract mm -hmm. right and so even though you're not physically on the contract with me you are now part of my subconscious in ways that I'm going to naturally be thinking about connections for you. Yeah. And that's the piece that I think we don't always realize is, is exponential whenever somebody makes a meaningful connection or opens a door for us. As long as that individual is somebody who has self-awareness and is, has gratitude, right? It, it's, it's an organic next step is thinking about, wow, this really yeah. And that is the nuance that I, I, I continue to say. I wasn't able to eloquently explain it when I did my TEDx talk. I haven't eloquently explained it in this podcast, but I think that's the reality is there is no way to eloquently explain. You're not doing this so that you get a contract or a connection and it's going to come about naturally if you do. Because the people that, you know, there are people that love the concept of 50 cups. There are people, and I don't, I don't really encounter people that hate the concept. I encounter people that wanna know what is this gonna get me? What is right. it for me? Short term yes, reward. It's really, it's stripping that away. It's not about that. It's about connection and sure, you know, every guest I've had on this podcast so far, has come about because of my own 50 cups. Like I'm not, I'm not like 
uh, reaching out like crazy for guests. It's texting a friend from 50 cups and saying, Hey, would you want to record? And so I didn't, I haven't done it so that I could create a podcast someday, but it just, it, that, that connection, it's an organic way to continue to grow. And it's just kind of embracing that reality. But I love it. Thank you. That's a really good cool example. You are the, the king of that. So I appreciate you. I thank you so much for having me and for all of the, the wonderful connections that you have made and continue to make from just expressing, you know, our experience of, of being connected to, to one another. So I hope that I can reciprocate in, in even bigger ways in the future. Well, I appreciate you. I love the work that you do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get to another workshop you do in Baltimore when we're able to, to be in person again. And uh, I'm going to check out Insight Timer. I encourage other people to do so. Sparkvisionnow.com. Uh, go, go check you out on LinkedIn. And thanks for doing this. I really appreciate having you on here. Uh, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, I, I just, again, I just so much gratitude and appreciation for you and your listening community. And I, I hope that there's one nugget from today, just like in a workshop. I hope that maybe one, one gem came out of our conversation that it can help somebody else. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll hit stop record, but uh, uh, stay on. I'll just say goodbye off mic and then, uh, and then we'll wrap up. So thank you again for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the 50 Cups of Coffee podcast. This is a show that began in 2016 with a TEDx talk called the 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge. If you haven't already, please head on over to YouTube, give it a search, 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge, or just Google my name, Bobby Audley, and check that out. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Bobby Audley. You can support our show by subscribing wherever you listen, leaving a rating and a review. That is absolutely the best way to help us grow and continue the show if you are enjoying it. Our cover art and theme music is by the brilliant Matisse Soy.